It's Thursday on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a good one out there as well. Really good show. Good variety today as I was thinking about it. A lot of different things I want to get to today. Uh, Madeline Wethington from the Gopher Women's Hockey Team will join me here in just a few minutes to talk about Minnesota's season. Uh, They have a big series, big home series this weekend against number one ranked Ohio State. Um, but she's just got a great kind of hockey tale to tell, uh, a big-time hockey family. Uh, we get into some uh, professional women's hockey league stuff because that's that's kind of a part of her family's legacy and gives her something to shoot for going forward as well. So hope you enjoy that conversation uh, between myself and Madeline Wethington here in just a few minutes. Um, Minnesota's pro hockey franchises in the uh, Professional Women's Hockey League and the Wild. They seem to be going in different directions right now. Get to that towards the end of the show. A bunch of major coaching changes at the top, top levels of college football. Got to get to that a little bit at the end of the show as well. Um, gonna give the Vikings a break today. I said, I, I, there's new, there's Viking stuff already. There's, you know, they're, they, we found out they're gonna have a home game and, uh, one of their home games is gonna be in London next year. Um, Quesito Flamenza and Kevin O'Connell talked on Wednesday. I'm not gonna do any Vikings today. I'm just a little burned out. I gotta give them a, I gotta give them a day. I gotta give it, I gotta go back and listen to their news conferences. I wanna hear that. Maybe I'll get into that on Friday's show a little bit more. Kind of their thoughts on Kirk Cousins, the future, things like that. I, I just can't do it today. I've had too much Vikings talk this week already. Need to give it a day to to rest. So that'll be that'll be probably on Friday's show. In addition to, I believe, Phil Miller talking baseball on a Friday show as well. First, though, today, what did I miss? Basketball and expectations. That is that is what I want to talk about right now. I'm going to get to the Gophers and Ben Johnson, um, his team in a little bit here. Had had a chance to go over to their access period on uh, on Wednesday. They have a big road game Thursday. I'm sorry, Friday at Indiana. Um, but enjoyed enjoyed kind of hearing Ben Johnson talking. It had been a little while. I hadn't been over to access since earlier, uh, kind of way earlier uh, in this season. So. Hearing him talk a little bit more about uh, kind of where they're at right now, three and one in the Big Ten, expectations, things like that. Um, some stuff I wanted to share from that session. Um, so we'll get to that here in a little bit. Start with the Wolves though, because that was a tough, tough loss. Uh, one of those games last night where everything is stacked against them. Right? They they just played Tuesday at Orlando, a blowout win. So they were able to rest guys like a little bit. People didn't have to give like. Max energy. I think Edwards only played like 26 minutes against Orlando because he was in foul trouble. Um, but still, the, the extenuating circumstances of a not just a back-to-back, but bad weather in Boston, meaning they couldn't fly into Boston until Wednesday, day of game, extremely unusual in modern sports, modern NBA, to fly into the city you're going to play in the day of the game. So Mike Conley Jr. rests, Rudy Gobert rests, neither of those guys suiting up. So the Wolves are shorthanded. Now, listen, they've played plenty of games this year where they've been a little bit shorthanded. They've had guys banged up at various points. Ant missed some time. Jade McDaniels has missed some time. And they've played a lot of teams this year that have been in similar situations where they're looking at kind of like what you'd call a schedule loss, back-to-backs, guys resting, guys injured things like that okay let's let's just wipe all that away let's take this game at its face value but understand the extenuating circumstances yes 
Missing a couple key guys, absolute key guys this season. Two starters, two foundational pieces right now, and playing on extremely short rest. They're in this game at Boston. They got no energy at the beginning. It looked like they're going to get run out of the building. I watched the first, you know, six minutes. I'm like, this is not going to be good. They're down like 13-4. Can't find a bucket. Boston's making every shot. Looks like it could just be like, ah, forget about it. It was a night where, you know, it was a nice run. The last of 16 games where they're playing all these really good teams. They've already done their business with it. They're going to be fine. They could have packed it in. They didn't. Kudos to them for that. Kudos to them for the effort for the entire game. They managed to get themselves a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter against the best team in the Eastern Conference, a team that hasn't lost at home all season long. You've already got yourself a moral victory. You've got yourself a moral victory right there. That is the recipe for a moral victory. We tried hard. We played really well. And that's all it ended up being because they end up losing in overtime, can't execute down the stretch. Anthony Edwards makes some kind of bad, questionable, kind of immature plays towards the end. He's still learning. And so, you know, it's it's frustrating in the end. You still don't take away anything from the effort, right? The effort was great. The effort to be in that position with everything against you, to be able to do that against the best team in the East. By the way, you're the best team in the West. To be able to do that, uh, record-wise at least, to be able to do that and be right there to have a chance to win in the end, that is admirable. That's a good sign. But I go on X after the game, and I just say this, and I think that I stand by this. I say, the night the Wolves almost made me believe they were ready to be real title contenders. Still a hell of an effort, hell of a game on zero rest, but they still have some things to learn about winning time. And I got some people in my mentions. It was it was a very good, respectful dialogue. People saying, look, they're 11-4 and four in crunch time this year, clutch games. They've been good in these situations. I'm going to give them a pass, people are saying, for blowing this one because of the extenuating circumstances. Doesn't mean they're not title contenders. What are you saying they're not title contenders just off of this one game? Fair. Small sample size. I get it. It's a small sample size. My bigger point is this. If you're a real title contender... You are not content with moral victories. You are not content just to be saying, hey, that was pretty good. Good job. You know, if I play Mario Kart with my friends on Friday night, which I do sometimes, not not as much as we used to during COVID. That was kind of our big COVID thing. Me and a group of friends, we'd play every Friday night. We'd play Mario Kart, do the do the group game all across the country. We'd play. We still play some, but not as much as we used to. But we, we play Mario Kart. If I'm winning Mario Kart, if I'm leading the race the whole way, but then I get someone hits me with a red shell, with like <clears throat> a half a lap to go or right right before the finish line someone if I, I get the I get the blue shell it comes and blows me up just out of nowhere nothing I can do about it and I end up finishing fourth hey you know what I still ran a great race I still feel good about how I did but you know what I'm going to get at the end of the race I'm not going to get the you know what I'm not going to get the gold cup I don't even get the silver cup or the bronze cup I get the little guy waving the flag that says nice try and that's what the wolves get for this game they get a nice try it was a nice try it was a good game it's good there were good signs good signs all throughout the game but if you are a true NBA title contender you must win the game that is what you do that is that is how you become a championship team. You win games you're not supposed to win. You overcome and you finish it off. Chris Finch knows what I'm talking about. Here's what he said after the game. The difference was uh, a lot of silly mistakes, silly mistakes, breakdowns, bad offense to end the game. You know, um, we should have we should have won this game. Um, all credit to the Celtics. You know, they beat it. They took it from us. Um, but yeah, we had we were, did everything we wanted to do to put ourselves in position to win and. 
our offense broke down at the end, and you know, so did our defense too. But um, uh, yeah, just lots of lots of uh, kind of mental errors on both ends. I think Anthony had four turnovers, you know, in that um, closing stretch. Just too much ISO, too much ISO against a really good defense. You know, we we built a lead, um, and we were for the most part throughout the entire game playing with good movement, moving the ball. You know, Kyle was really good for this, that stretch. Um, and it just became, um, you know, again, just got too stagnant. And then, then we're relying on uh, one pass and a shot or, you know, drive it at the end of the clock. And listen, the Wolves might still get there. And maybe we're parsing too much when we're not even halfway through the season. Maybe it's maybe it's not even a discussion worth having yet whether they're a title to contending team. But here's this. They haven't won a playoff series in 20 years. The last couple of years in the playoffs, they've come up short. They've had some good efforts in those games, some nice tries. Their roster this year is much better. This is the best Wolves team in 20 years since they won those two playoff series, the only two playoff series they've won in franchise history. They have a chance this year. They still have room for growth. That is what I'm saying right now. They are close, but there's going to be seven or eight teams just as good as the Wolves when they get to the postseason this year. Can they separate themselves in those tiniest fractional one-possession, two-possession margin types of games? They've done it so far in some stretches this year. I'm still waiting to see it in other stretches. That is all I'm saying. I'm not quite ready to believe this is a title contending team. What I am ready to believe, this is a very good team that gave a very good effort on very short rest and still lost on Wednesday night. Like I said at the jump, I also want to talk about Gopher men's basketball right now. Um, Ben Johnson, head coach, much questioned going into this season first two years were not good this year has been much better a soft non-conference schedule we know that right worst uh worst easiest worst however you want to categorize it in the ken palm rankings that's 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 a hard thing to overcome once we talk about like ncaa tournament resumes but if we're just talking about confidence if we're talking about what this team looks like and margin of victory in those games, like Marcus Fuller talked about on the show, I think, last week. Um, if we're talking about those things, then they look better. They've just been a better team this year, and they've shown it also in Big Ten play. That's carried into Big Ten play. Huge wins um, last week against Michigan and Maryland. Huge. So they're 3-1 and one in Big Ten play right now, and now they're starting to feel the expectations. They're starting to feel, okay... People are starting to look at us. People are starting to come to the games. People are starting to say, hey, this is a team worth watching. This is a team worth getting excited about. How does that play out over the course of the season? So I had a chance to ask Ben Johnson about that first. I asked him kind of about how they got better, how how they were able to better recruit the transfer portal in particular to get guys like Elijah Hawkins, to get guys like Mike Mitchell. I, I liked his answer about this because it gave a window into how hard it is, the kind of recruiting you have to do in the portal. So here's Ben Johnson on that first. Did you kind of learn how to recruit the portal as you kind of went through time? Or how, how, how did you kind of land on these guys that are helping you more this year, it seems like? Yeah, no, you, you have to learn how to figure out yeah. the portal as far as recruiting goes. Yeah. Um, you know, I found that out my first year when, you know, they were all portal guys. You figure right. out quickly, like, all right, what can fool you? Because um, it's a quick recruitment. I mean, you're looking at could be weeks. Like if a kid's ready to make a decision, um, it literally could be a matter of weeks where you got to figure out, all right, what's their game? What are they good at? What are they bad at? What's their personality? What are they, What's their makeup? Um, so you try to do as much homework as you can to figure out that piece because mm-hmm. um, that's obviously important. And then you just try to watch as much tape. And then the hardest part is – 
you're recruiting the portal hoping that the team you're recruiting them to stays what you think they are, like intact. Because you could get a kid and then lose one because of that. And so now it's like, okay, I took this kid for a reason. Now it's going to look a little different because maybe you lose a part that you thought would go well with this particular player. Hmm. So that's the that's the hardest juggling act is that, all right, you recruit a portal, but the, the portal is fitting a need of what you think you, you have on your roster. Yeah. So now you're trying to figure that out of like, all right, for what I have today, yeah, this could be a great need. But if you if you lose a kid in a week or two, all of a sudden a good piece then might not be a great piece that fits. Um, but we knew that we wanted to you know increase our perimeter, um, so that was a good fit with with Elijah and Mike, um, and had depth to that and had playmaking. We knew what we had with Cam coming in um, as far as just skill level, and yeah. it's kind of just what you try to do. And that's a credit to him. They've learned. They've learned better, at least this year, how to recruit the portal, getting the kind of guys they want to get, targeting guys that fit their system, and being able to keep everybody else that they want in place. He made great points about how the recruiting in the portal goes so fast. It might be a matter of weeks. You don't, you're not tracking these guys for months or even years like you are high school recruits at a certain point. It might be, wow, this guy's available. He could fit. Let's cram as much tape as we can as, as quick as possible. Let's try to get to know this person as much as possible before we make a commitment for at least a year. That's, that's a big ask. That's a big burden. I hadn't really thought about transfer portal recruiting quite in that way, so that was interesting to me. But Elijah Hawkins and Mike Mitchell have, have absolutely impacted things this year for the better for the Gophers. Now, it has added up to a team that has a lot of balance, a lot of depth right now, more than they've had, just more quality players. More quality players are going to give you more chances to win. It's, just, it's a simple equation. But better players don't matter if you can't execute down the stretch. The Gophers have done a great job against Michigan, against Maryland of, you know, Coming back, being being a good second half team, they did it against Nebraska too in their uh, in their other Big Ten win this year. And by the way, that win looking better now that Nebraska just beat Purdue. Um, so you look at you look at the sum total of this. You say this is a better team, but now a better team is being faced with okay, now what? What what are the expectations going forward? And I asked Ben Johnson about that, and he he gave me a good answer about kind of you know how much the home crowd has helped them, things like that, kind of maturing and things like that wasn't quite what I was kind of getting at. Kudos to Andy Greeter from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. He kind of asked a similar but slightly different question, kind of got into it a different way. He he elicited the kind of response from Ben Johnson that I was kind of hoping to get. So I'm going to play that quote. It wasn't directly from my question, but it was kind of along that line of questionings uh, that, uh, that Andy Greeter had asked him. So here is Ben Johnson on kind of how players have responded to expectations and will continue to respond going forward. Like the Maryland game, I really do believe it was we had to go through a first half where there's a different type of energy in the building and a different type of expectation. <laughs> and guys feel that. I don't. They can deny it all they want. I know they do. And, and that's part of it. Like we haven't gone through that, you know, but that was a meaningful game. And I think everybody kind of sensed it. It's like, man, if you could, if they could win that game, that's a lot of momentum. Well, we haven't experienced that. So we had to kind of go through and it's the tightness of, all right, you know, you still got to be able to play free, um, but knowing that there's expectations. And I think, think um, after halftime, they were able to kind of take a breath and, you know, figure that out. I think it's like on the road, you know, Ohio State, 
same thing. We got off to a slow start. It was our first road game in the Big Ten. And so there's a lot of like intrepidation with, okay, what is this going to be like? Well, we're able to go to Michigan and be competitive that first half because that anxiety is gone for Elijah, for Mike, you know, on all the way on down. Um, you know, Cam, those new guys, they knew what it was. So now it's like, all right, you're able to withstand that first half. And then the second half, when it's winning time, after you found your rhythm, now you're able to just go and play. And I think that's the biggest thing is getting our team to a point where we've got enough experiences where nothing phases you and now you can just go play you can know now you can worry about just winning the game right so at indiana i addressed it right away i said this is gonna probably be the best environment we played in right we have to find a way to like to not have that impact us the first four minutes and have the oohs and the ahs like there's going to be what 14 50 000 fans they're going to be crazy they're going to be loud there's going to be a momentum play like try to get them to understand that now and say, all right, we don't want to battle that and have the big eyes that first, you know, four to eight minutes. Um, but unfortunately, we still got to go through it. So it's just it's experiences when you're when you're dealing with a new group. Um, and again, I think we're where we're at because we responded, you know, to our loss versus Missouri. We learned from San Francisco. We learned from Ohio State. Uh, I don't think we're where we're at if those guys didn't see that on film and kind of hit in the face with that and said, you know what. He's right. We got to change um, because it can be kind of fool's gold when you don't get kind of smacked in the face a little bit. Really like that answer. And I like this one, too. I got to ask Dawson Garcia, leading scorer for the Gophers, a similar question. Here he was on that. Yeah, I think we, I think we responded well. And I think our response will continue to be well just because we've always had the same mindset, you know, just trying to eliminate the outside noise. And just, um, you know, at the beginning of the season when we were um, ranked low and not too many people were talking about us. And now is that having a little bit of uh, success and winning some games and people are starting to talk, just keeping the same mindset and just going out and playing hard and doing what we do. Does anything change in how you guys think of yourselves? I mean, when you have success, does it change how you think of yourself? Not necessarily just because it's a day-in, day-out thing. Obviously, you have a lot more confidence. Um, the mood's a lot better. You know, winning fixes a lot of things. And so, but just coming in every day and putting in the same amount of work and um, keeping the same level of confidence and uh, keeping the same level of respect for the game. So success is kind of a double-edged sword, right? You get the confidence that comes with it. You get to feel good about yourselves. You get to know what it's like to win in these situations, to be in these situations so that nothing is unexpected anymore. Kind of what Ben Johnson was getting at, kind of what Dawson Garcia is getting at too. But on the same token, now things get a little bit more serious. You get into these pressure situations and it's not just, oh, can we win a game? Can we get, can we get over the hump? Can we do this or that? Now it's like, hey, people are watching us. People are saying, hey, this team might be good. Now we have to perform with a certain level of expectation on us. And that is kind of where they're at right now. Like they're they're not. I don't. I don't think people are looking at them and saying, "Hey, this is a contender. This is you know a team that's truly like quote unquote turned a corner." Things like that. They're three and one. They're off to a nice start. But the conversation about this team absolutely has changed. We're not saying can this team win a game. We're saying, "Hey, is this this team's better? Are they good?" That's the question now. That's the conversation we're having right now. Players are feeling it. Ben Johnson understands it. How do they respond to that? Now that the schedule gets a little harder, like Indiana, that's going to be a hard place to win. They've got home games against Iowa, against Wisconsin coming up. Like The schedule is not the hardest in the world because the Big Ten is just not great this year, but it will challenge them in ways that they haven't been challenged yet. Are they ready for that? Can they, can they rise up to that for the rest of the year? That is a fascinating question. It's a better question. It's a much more interesting question than the ones we had coming into the season when there were questions about, hey, is this program going in the right direction? Is Ben Johnson going to make it past this? season so far he has been 
vindicated in his approach. He has been vindicated in how he is trying to do things. But a lot of season left, and I'm interested to see how that all plays out. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Let's talk today with Madeline Wethington from the Gophers women's hockey team. Senior, you're in your graduate year, right, Madeline? Yes, correct. And I just learned you are, I, I, am, I, I am in fact causing a slight delay in your process for applying to med school. And I apologize for that. No, you're totally fine. I just have a personal statement meeting to go over my personal statement for med school that I'll be applying to in May. That's exciting. So is that, uh, is that at the U or is that somewhere else or what, uh, what's the process like there? Yeah. So, uh, I will be, I will be applying to about 15 to 20 schools, okay. uh, cause the acceptance rate for med school is about 2%. So you really want to broaden your, uh, scope of, uh, where you're applying to. So I'll be applying to the U obviously as a gopher, I would be a very much long time gopher going from undergrad to grad to medical, uh, which would be amazing, but I'll be applying to several others uh, to broaden my horizons and hopefully see where I get in. That's amazing. Good for you. Congratulations on that. Um, just you. reading your reading your bio, I want to get into some hockey stuff in, in a moment here because you guys have a huge series uh, this weekend against Ohio State, a very good team, just like you guys are, a very good program. You guys already played them this year in a couple of very – uh, tight games, um, but your 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 bio is kind of amazing. Like, like first off, it says you know how to juggle. I have to, I have to imagine that's both figuratively and literally because you wouldn't just put that on there. But you you have to juggle a lot of stuff. I imagine to be applying to medical school and playing high level D one hockey. But you literally know how to juggle. Yeah. So funny story. I went to like a juggling show back in elementary school, okay. and I. Absolutely loved it. And I was like, I want to do this. So I told my mom and she signed me up for some juggling camps. And so I ended up juggling for four years, I think, I believe from um, fourth grade through seventh grade. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it really helped me with my hand-eye coordination um, and just ability to you fail a ton when you juggle too. So being able to pick pick the balls or pick the objects that I'm juggling yeah. up and um, learning new things really pushed me and I really enjoyed it. It's called Jugheads. Unfortunately, uh, their last year of the company was last year. Um, so they're no longer a company, but I really enjoyed my time with Jugheads and I perform did a bunch of performances and stuff like that. So you're like, so you were like really good at it. What, like how, like, number of objects, like type of objects. What are we talking about here? Like what at your, at your juggling peak, like what were you, what were you doing? Uh, so in terms of like your classic juggling balls, I was able to like what we call qualify. So I was able to qualify, um, six balls at my peak. So it's like three in one hand at a time. Um, I was able to, with like, we do a lot of passing as well. So with like your classic People call them like bowling pins, but we call them clubs. Uh, I was able to like pass um, eight at a time. 
So that's amazing. That's crazy. That's amazing. Good for you. That's great. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And like you said, I'm sure like, you know, there's definitely athleticism, hand-eye coordination that goes with that. That had to have helped you with hockey. I know you're a really good golfer, things like that. All of that goes together. And now here you are, like you played at Blake. You're from Edina originally. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. What, you know, it's, it's almost cliche to ask at this point, but like you started kind of a while ago, you're in, you're in the graduate phase of your career now, but you were like, you started pre COVID and here we are now. Like what, what has this journey been like for you at the U? It's pretty crazy. I'm the last uh, player on our team that was a part of pre-COVID Gopher Women's Hockey. So when Coach Frost mentions like, oh, we used to do this, I'm like, oh, I'm the only one on the team that did this, for example. (laughs) So that really makes me feel old, I guess. But um, I've definitely had the pre-pandemic, the pandemic, and then post-pandemic experience at the the U. And um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Having the opportunity to come back here for a fifth year kind of was the icing on top of the cake for me with the COVID year. It was so hard. Um, We tested six days a week. Uh, We couldn't go home. I'm 15 minutes away from home and I couldn't see my family. They couldn't come to games. And for me, a big part of my decision to come to the Gophers was the ability to have my parents come to each one of my home games, as well as to many of our away games, because the WCHA is so close and many teams are in Minnesota. So that was a big decision. And for us not to have our parents and our families there uh, during that season was really tough. And um, so having that opportunity this year to get that extra year, um, I definitely have been taking advantage of it and enjoying each and every moment. Um, I definitely feel old at times with players on our team being 18 years old and I'm 23 and figuring out the next part of my life and the next chapter, um, whether that is in hockey or not. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and I've enjoyed my time here at the U and I'm definitely going to soak in the last, um, few months that we have here. You said you feel old. Looking at your bio makes me feel old because your aunts, I used to cover them when they were in high school. That was like when I was very first, very new at the Star Tribune. But I remember Winnie Broad. I remember Chelsea Broad. Um, obviously, your, your grandfather, Jack, helped form the what the Whitecaps like 20 years ago, right? That was the that was his that was part of his part of his legacy. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine you make your own decisions. But when you come from such a hockey family like that, was it? at a pretty early age that that was at least introduced to you as an option? Oh yeah. It, it, it wasn't really an option. It was kind of the standard, I guess. I jokingly say, um, my mom was actually the first head coach for right. division at St. Cloud. So, um, she really introduced me to the game and having the opportunity to have my grandma teach me how to skate and my going to my aunt's games. And um, I was around the rink, uh, my mom jokes, right when I was born um, because she she would take me up to St. Cloud and um, be surrounded by her team. And so I've I've been used to being around the rink since I was born. And um, I there's always a funny story that I tell people. I think I was about five or six and uh, I didn't play very well one game and I was just really mad about it. And my grandparents were over and I was like, I'm quitting hockey. I'm switching to basketball. Like I really want to play basketball. I think that'll be super fun. Like I, 
I, I don't know why I have to play hockey. And sure enough, I never once touched a basketball and never joined a team or anything. It was just like a spur of the moment trying to go against your parents or your family. But I'm certainly glad that my uh, family introduced me to the game because it's been such a big part of my life. And I can't imagine uh, having my life without hockey. And that's going to continue for the rest of my life. You know, the white cap certainly, you know, paved the way for maybe what we're seeing right now with this new PWHL team and, you know, some of the predecessors even from 20 years ago until now, when you were just talking a minute ago, you were saying, you know, whatever the future holds, whether it's medical school or, you know, a future in hockey, does does this new league kind of change the the conversation or the, the post-college conversation? And just what do you, what do you think about this so far? Yeah, it's been super exciting to see the um, support that so many people have had for this new league. And um, it's it's awesome to see so many little girls sitting in the stands at that first PWHL game at the X and having them have that dream to be had the opportunity to play professional hockey. I was really fortunate enough to grow up in an environment where I could see female hockey players uh, play Post-professionally, I watched my aunts and my mom play in the Wham League. I would help run the scoreboard and be behind the bench with my grandpa. And having those experiences really impact impacted my trajectory as a hockey player. And I just think see, having these little girls see professional women's hockey on the biggest stage possible um, is just going to make the game grow even more. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what this season brings. I'm actually going to the PWHL game tonight. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that atmosphere and hopefully that um, excitement and hype around it continues throughout the season and into next year. And it only grows. We've talked about your family. We haven't even talked about your sister, who's your teammate. Like, well, how has that been for you? Oh, it's awesome. Audrey and I are best friends. We've grown up playing together our whole entire lives because uh, we're only a grade apart in school. So uh, we basically were um, on each other's teams throughout our entire lives, each and like every other year went with youth hockey. Um, so it was always uh, so much fun playing with her and getting the opportunity to continue that at the U has been a tremendous experience for the both of us. And uh, we actually share an apartment, us two together, just two, two bedroom, two bathroom. Uh, just we're around each other 24 seven. We are in, I think we we're in two classes last semester together. And I think we'll be in one or two this semester and we're in the same lab and we do a lot of volunteer work together each week at Masonic Children's Hospital. And so we do like almost everything together. I, was at home yesterday without her and it was like, oh, we're giving each other space. Like, <laughs> right? It's kind of nice. I'm just kidding. I have two daughters who are nine and seven, and I'm trying to imagine them having that. They, they're, they're, they're at each other a little bit at this age, but yeah. maybe this is evidence that, you know, maybe by the time they're, maybe by the time they're in their early 20s, they'll be best friends like you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely changes with stages of life as well. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit of hockey before I let you go. Ohio State this weekend, huge opportunity. You played two games in Columbus earlier this year, a couple of one-goal losses. You had a big goal last weekend, right, against Connecticut that kind of got, got you guys going in that game and got you the win there, a little bit of momentum. What what about this kind of rematch series as you kind of think, to, think ahead to, not just right now, but postseason hockey and the way you want to be playing when when that rolls around? Yeah, um, Ohio State's obviously a tremendous program. 
Nadine Muzrell has done a great job with them. And she was actually, when I was committed here, she was still the assistant coach and she's uh, my aunt's best friend. So I know her in a different different capacity than most uh, other players. Uh, she runs their program really tight and um, they're a very disciplined team and play fast and hard and strong. And um, I'm just excited for the opportunity for our group. I think we uh, showed ourselves and a lot of other um, people in the country that we can compete against them. Uh, we lost in overtime and that was a really tight game. And then we lost six, five in um, regulation and we had all the momentum in the world uh, in the third period of that game. So I'm just excited for the opportunity to be at home in front of our crowd, in front of our fans. Uh, I think we have the best fans in the best environment in college hockey. And I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to see what, um, it's been like three or four months since we've played against them uh, the first go around. So we've all gotten a feeling of what our identities are and um, it's definitely changed and our style of play has definitely evolved since that time. So it will uh, be a really good test for us, especially in the second half. And like you mentioned, going into the playoffs, uh, having that mentality of like, okay, we can beat this team. We've done it before. And um so yeah, I'm just I'm really looking forward to it. I think UConn was a great start for us. They're a tremendous team as well, and I I think they should be ranked higher. To be honest, um, uh, they they play really really fast, really uh, aggressive and strong, and um, they're the best team in hockey. So it makes sense why they were a great opponent and great start for us. So it was huge that we did get those two wins, especially looking into the playoff picture, having um, going. Uh, six and zero in our non-conference schedule is really huge for us as we look at the postseason and uh, where we might fall in in the tournament uh, bracket. Good luck this weekend. Good luck with medical school. Whatever comes next, I really appreciated getting a chance to know you a little bit better and have this conversation. And uh, yeah, best of luck down the road. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Great stuff from Madeline Wethington. Really enjoyed getting a chance to talk to her, getting a chance to hear her story a little bit more. Um, just what a hockey family, right? And so cool that we got a chance to talk right as the PWHL is at its inception. Minnesota, like she said, she went to Wednesday's game. Glad she got to go to that game. Minnesota won again. Taylor Heisey, former gopher, had an absolute monster game. I didn't go to this one, but I saw... The highlights, her first goal, the, the first goal of the game, absolute dynamic goal. Um, that league is is good. They they play fast, they play hard. It's it's just it's the best of the best playing right now. That is that is just there's no doubt about that. When you have a top league like that where every best player is in that league, you have to pay attention. So I'm glad I got a chance to talk to Madeline Wethington about that. I'm glad that uh, that she got to see that game because that was another good one for Minnesota's franchise. They are three and zero right now. A lot of good players on that team. A lot of good goaltending on that team. They seem to be heading in the right direction. The Wild, not so much. Um, I was excited about the debut of goalie Jasper Walstead. Uh, Jasper Walstead. This was like the. The one thing that kind of was sustaining my flickering interest in the wild during this stretch where so many of these guys are injured, right? They've got so many key players out right now. And even when they were healthy this season, the wild were kind of meh, right? They were kind of up and down, more down than up. They found a little bit of their game 
when they they made the coaching switch. They went from Dean Evison to John Hines. Now they're kind of back to getting smoked in a lot of these games. Lost four nothing to Dallas the other day. Rematch. Decided to start the rookie Jesper Wallstead. They lose seven two. And so all of a sudden you you get this like kind of spark, right? You get this like ah the new guy's a net. The guy you've been waiting to see this whole time. This this new you know rookie goalie, the guy that could be the franchise goalie for the next decade, the guy that could, you know, become this thing that propels them forward in the future. Now, one game, it's just one game. I I get that. I'm not saying this is an indictment of him. I'm not saying he's not going to be a great goalie. I'm saying what a buzzkill, right? The first game is a buzzkill because then all of a sudden now you're like seven to two. Okay. That was not how the debut was supposed to go. That was not how you wanted this thing to go. If he steals one for you, if the, if you win three to two and he stands on his head, you feel good about yourselves again. You're like, okay, maybe we can withstand Gustafson being out. Maybe this, maybe this season won't be kind of going off the rails like it looks like it is. And it still might not, right? It could, it could still be fine. They could still find something here. Maybe Wallstead goes on a run immediately after this. But the one game, the first the first impression, he even knew it. He, he, was, he was upset with how things went. The first impression was not good at all. 7-2 to loss. They keep sinking further and further. Can't afford to give away these points. Their margin for error because of the bad start to the season. And now this bad funk they're in. The, the, mar- the margin for error is increasingly slim. I, I just don't know. Like I, I talked about this with uh, Henry Lake on WCCO Radio last night. I was on with him. He was, he's down in the wild. I'm down in the wild. I just don't feel like much has happened in this season. Worried about where things are going next season, too. Wait till 25, 26 when all those contracts are off the books and they can kind of do things differently. Yeah, it's just it's hard to look two years into the future. It's easier to look one year where you say, okay, just got to get through this. You got a whole other year in front of you after this one where the, where the buyouts are still hitting hard on the cap. That, to me, is the big challenge. Can they maintain some sort of relevance in that time can they kind of thread this needle they're trying to thread this kind of understated unstated competitive rebuild or are they going to be forced into a little bit more of a rebuild than they want to be into that is the question going forward problem is they can't really trade many people because they gave so many people no trade clauses so it might be it might just be what it is it just might be what it is and right now it's not good let's finish with the cooler i guess we're already kind of in the cooler right now um Football, my goodness. Nick Saban retiring from Alabama. Pete Carroll um, out at out with the Seahawks. He's going to move into a kind of more of an advisor role. And the big one, Bill Belichick and the Patriots reportedly on Thursday morning re- uh, parting ways. So Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, and Bill Belichick, titans of the sport. Carroll spanning both the N, you know NFL and college football with with championships in both spots. Belichick, greatest coach of the last three decades, hands down, maybe the greatest coach of all time, winning all those Super Bowls with the Patriots. Nick Saban, a legend at Alabama for all he did there. All of them moving on in you know in the span of 24 hours, we find out all of that news. What a seismic change in football at the top, the very top level of football. What a change we are seeing with with how that's happening. So just need to acknowledge that I don't have like a, a grand big takeaway other than man. What what a news cycle that was for football when all three of those guys are suddenly no longer going to be head coaches at the highest level. That will do it for me here today. Like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, Phil Miller going to join me on Friday's show. We're going to talk twins. 
TV stuff with the Twins, but also off-season stuff for them not related to TV. And like I said, I'll probably have to have some Vikings thoughts because i got to get back to them at some point, even if this is going to be the storyline. We're not going to solve anything for months, but we got to talk about it right now because we have some fresh stuff from Quasi Adolfo Mensa and from head coach Kevin O'Connell. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Back at it again tomorrow.